You're listening to Lane Powell Live, www.lanepowell.com. It wouldn't be a legal presentation if we didn't include a disclaimer. We want to note that the information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available today are for general informational purposes only. Legislation and regulations are always subject to change, so we recommend that you always check with your legal counsel to ensure that any advice you receive is current. You'll find our full disclaimer at our website, lanepowell.com. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are going to talk about the exciting world of employer vaccine mandates. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. And I should say before we get going, uh, Kathy kindly reminded me that this information is ever changing. So it's good for today. Um, but just know that this information could change tomorrow, later today, in a couple of minutes. So, um, but it's good for today. So let's go ahead and get started. Today, we're going to talk about some of the options that businesses have for mandatory um, vaccine programs versus voluntary vaccine programs and the pros and cons of both. The options basically are mandating all your employees be vaccinated, mandating that some employees be vaccinated, perhaps those that uh, interact with the public on a regular basis. And then there's 100% voluntary where you rely on your employees to get vaccinated and you don't mandate that they get vaccinated. There are several ways also to administer vaccines. So um, there could be a federal or state contracted provider. Uh, you as a business could contract with a third party to administer the vaccine. Or again, you could rely on your employees to get vaccines um, for, at another business outside of your business. Another question has come up, and we'll talk about it a little bit today, as far as providing incentives for or rewards for your employees to get vaccinated. That's also another consideration for businesses. Do you want to provide um, you know, a monetary incentive? Do you want to provide some other type of incentive? And do you want to provide penalties for people that don't get vaccinated? Um, those are all questions that employers are grappling with right now. From a legal perspective, when we talk about vaccines, um, there are a lot of considerations that employers have to think about. The first one that comes up, probably, probably the biggest one, is making sure that um, you make reasonable accommodations for medical and religious reasons for those that cannot get vaccinated or choose not to get vaccinated. Medical and religious reasons are both protected by federal law and in some cases state law. Um, so we'll talk about that more in detail, but that's probably the biggest consideration. Um, there are also just you know on the ground administration issues. How are you going to admit? How are you going to um, confirm that everyone is getting the vaccine? How are you going to you know deal with the paperwork involved in getting the vaccine? There's also workplace safety considerations, such as you know is it a job that requires a lot of contact with the public? Um, is it not a job that requires a lot of contact contact with the public? Is it a remote working position where perhaps there's no contact with the public? Those can all decide whether you mandate vaccines for certain employees or all employees. There's also workers' compensation considerations. You know, if the employee gets a vaccine as part of a mandatory vaccine program, could that employee, if they're injured during that process, file a workers' compensation claim against your company? There's also an issue of emergency use, use authorization. 
as you probably know, um, the current vaccines, the three vaccines that we have now that are um, FDA approved are approved on a temporary basis, an emergency use basis. So there's a little bit of a legal question there as to whether employers can even mandate vaccines because they're, they're actually just approved for emergency use, which is always requires that vaccines are given voluntarily. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, there's also wage and hour considerations. Do you have to pay your employees when they're going to get the, for the time they spend getting the vaccine? In most circumstances, if it's a non-exempt employee, yes, you do, um, depending on your state. Also, we can, we'll talk about limitations on incentives and kind of what to consider when considering providing an incentive for your employees to get vaccinated. Union issues, if your business is unionized, um, there may be a con there's most likely a contract in place that may touch on vaccination uh, issues and may affect a mandatory vaccination program. There's access issues. There are certain communities that have not been provided with equal access to vaccinations. So that's also a consideration when mandating that your employees get vaccinated. There's also, and I think this is a huge issue, actually, the employee relations issues. How do you communicate with your employees why you're requiring them to get vaccinated? How is that phrased? What kind of language do you use? And how do you deal with folks that are upset about that? How do you, how do you kind of manage that on the ground? There's also rationale issues, explaining to your employees, you know, this is for safety reasons. This is why we're getting vaccinated. That's also, that also can be an issue fraught with a lot of concerns from a legal and from an employee relations perspective. So I'm going to get into the legal considerations first. So I think of the legal considerations as really providing kind of the guardrails for what you can do. And basically, when we talk about legal considerations, we're talking about what rules do I actually have to follow? How do I comply with the law? So when you talk about vaccines and mandating vaccines, there are actually many, many <laughs> rules to follow. And that's what makes it so fraught for employers when they're trying to decide whether to mandate these vaccines, because there, it, there are so many rules. There's federal laws. There's federal EEOC guidance. The EEOC is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It's a federal agency that basically is charged with enforcing the employment laws in the U.S. Um, there's federal OSHA guidance. There's CDC guidance. Then there's also the state layer where there's state laws that we have to follow, state mandates like gov governor executive orders, things like that. There's also here in Washington, there's also labor and industries mandates and guidance that you must follow. California has a similar um, structure. There's also state OSHA guidance like WISHA or CalOSHA. Um, a lot of times those are requirements that you have to follow. Today, we're going to really be focusing on the federal EEOC guidance. So when we're talking about vaccines today, because there are so many different laws you have to follow, really what we're going to focus on is the updates that have been provided by the EEOC on mandatory vaccine programs. Um, in many cases, uh, I expect that the states will follow this guidance. Um, so it's really important guidance to discuss, but you should be aware that there are other laws and guidance impacting your decision. And just a reminder, um, the Washington state mask mandate is still in place. So um, despite all the discussion about, you know, removing face coverings, um, if your employees are not vaccinated, they must wear a mask unless they have a medical exemption of some sort. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about the requirements for documenting those vaccinations for your employees. 
So the EEOC came out with updated guidance at the end of May. And up until then, there was basically a kind of a gray area as to whether employers could require their employees to get vaccinated. The EEOC didn't provide an answer. The states really weren't providing answers. Now we have a pretty definitive answer from the EEOC. And in the answer to the question of whether I can require my employees to get vaccinated is yes, but. <laughs> basically, the answer is yes, but there are several considerations that you'll want to think about when you're coming up with your vaccine program. First, the vaccine program has to be job-related and consistent with business necessity based on safety concerns, and we'll break that down in a little bit. You also have to be really careful about how you ask about an employee's vaccination status. If you ask more questions beyond whether, whether or not you're vaccinated, yes or no, if you ask questions beyond that, it could be a medical inquiry that's then covered by the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which kicks off a whole other host, host of other requirements. Reasonable accommodations to a vaccine um, requirement are required unless providing those accommodations would, would mean there is a direct threat. We'll talk about that in more detail too. Also, any documentation of vaccination. So if your state requires you, like as Washington does, to document employee vaccinations, if you're going to allow them to go maskless, you have to keep that documentation confidential. You have to keep it separate from their personnel file, and you have to be really careful in disposing of that um, document, that confidential documentary information. Also, treating all employees the same. So if you only require certain employees to get the vaccine, but not others, it has to really be based on safety concerns, such as requiring all frontline employees to get vaccines and not requiring remote workers to get vaccines. It cannot be based on age, disability, nationality, things like that. Any protected characteristic cannot be based on that. And the issue of incentives comes up again. The EEOC basically said you can incentivize, you can provide rewards, and it gives an out a kind of a structure for that. So the first requirement for your vaccine program, your mandatory vaccine program, would be that it's job-related, consistent with business necessity, and based on safety concerns. The EEOC has basically said that COVID-19, because, because of the pandemic and because of the seriousness of the pandemic and the safety concerns that it raises, basically a mandatory vaccination program meets these requirements already. It's job related, it's consistent with business necessity, it's based on safety concerns. However, when you're dealing with remote workers who aren't actually coming into contact with the public, there it's a little bit more of a gray area. And you may decide that it's not worth the legal risk to require your remote workers to get vaccinated. That probably wouldn't be based on a safety concern, probably wouldn't be consistent with business necessity or job related. So that's a consideration. But if you're talking about frontline employees, any mandatory vaccination program should meet this requirement. The EEOC also cautions employers to be really careful in what you're asking them. Basically, my advice to my clients has been, if you're asking about vaccination status, stick to yes or no. You could ask why an employee is not vaccinated, but I wouldn't recommend that at all. You don't want to ask too much about the vaccination status because, again, that could raise the issue of a medical inquiry under the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA. If the answer to your question of vaccination is no, at that point, that's a great time to start engaging with the employee in the interactive process. And what I mean by that is basically talk to your employee and say, do you require an accommodation for a medical condition or religious belief? 
and start that process with them, have them provide documentation of that medical condition or religious belief, and then work through that with them to provide an accommodation. Perhaps the accommodation is that they wear a face covering rather than getting the vaccination if they cannot. Reasonable accommodations. Um, I was just talking about that a little bit, but now we'll get a little bit more in depth with that. So if you have an employee who cannot get vaccinated because of a disability, a medical condition that, that maybe prevents them from being vaccinated, or if they have a religious belief that prevents them from being vaccinated, you do have to engage with them in the reasonable accommodation process, which basically means talk to your employee, ask them what they need. Are they requiring an accommodation? Are they requiring an exception to the vaccination rule, the vaccination program that you've instituted? It's really important to remember that employers cannot exclude the employee from the workplace or take any action unless you cannot provide a reasonable accommodation. The standard to prove undue hardship, which is the exception to the rule that you have to provide a reasonable accommodation, the standard to prove that is quite high. So really think through that. Think if you actually have a, a genuine undue hardship in providing them with an accommodation. And again, an, accom a, an example of an accommodation to a vaccine requirement would be wearing a mask, wearing a face covering at all times. Another exception is that the, if there is a direct threat, if providing the employee with the accommodation they're asking for is a direct threat, you can actually ask that employee to go home. You can't exclude them from the workplace, but you cannot fire them. So a direct threat basically means that there is a significant risk of substantial harm that cannot be eliminated or reduced by the accommodation. Make sure also that you understand Washington's rules for high-risk workers. If you're not familiar with that, the high-risk worker laws in Washington basically applied to any employee that's more likely to get severely ill from COVID-19. That's based on age or an underlying medical condition. In that case, you do have to offer those high-risk employees alternative work arrangements. And there's a few more rules that are involved with high-risk workers, but I just wanted to remind everyone of that as well, that that comes into play here too. Another thing to remember is to um, not retaliate against any worker for requesting an accommodation. And that goes for your other employees as well. So you wanna make sure that not only is management not treating this employee different because they requested an accommodation, but also other coworkers, other colleagues of that employee should not be treating them differently because they requested an accommodation. A best practice that I often recommend is to tell your employees about your reasonable accommodation process in writing when you tell them about the mandatory vaccine program. Let them know that if they do have a medical condition or religious belief that prevents them from getting vaccinated, that you are willing to engage with them in the interactive process to discuss that. That goes a long way in showing that you're really making efforts to accommodate any uh, medical concerns or religious uh, uh, concerns that they might have. The EEOC talks a lot about um, keeping documentation of your vaccination program confidential. And what that means is any records that show an employee's medical information, that would include whether or not you've been vaccinated, are confidential. And some states like Washington and California now actually require you to, as an employer, to document the vaccination status of your employees if you are permitting them to go maskless. In that case, Again, that's confidential medical information. You really want to keep those documents documenting that confidential medical information separate from the employee's personnel file. You want to make sure that you keep it in a separate password protected space that only you or those on a need to know basis can access. You don't want that to be kept with the employee's personnel file. 
Also, make sure you're aware of your state's privacy laws. In Washington, for example, there's a law regarding disposal of confidential records that you'd really want to be careful to follow um, when you're, let's say you're shredding employee confidential medical information uh, several years from now, you'd want to make sure that you follow that law in terms of disposing of that information. California employers um, should really be aware of the, um, the CCPA's impact on employers in gathering this information. Um, as you probably know, the CCPA requires employers to let employees know what personal information they'll be collecting from them. If you're going to start collecting vaccine information from employees in California, you'd really want to provide at least 30 days advance notice that you're going to be collecting that information. The EEOC also talks a lot about um, treating all employees the same. Um, they recommend mandating vaccines for all employees or no employees. I think there's a caveat here and that is in terms of remote workers. If you have a worker that's completely remote, from my understanding and my interpretation of the EEOC guidance, you may um, not require that person to get a vaccination and require your frontline workers to get vaccinations. However, you definitely cannot have separate requirements for different races, ethnicities, abilities, ages, genders, or any other protected characteristic. You can't say everyone over 65 needs to get the vaccination um, or everyone who has an underlying medical condition needs to get the vaccination. Those would definitely violate federal law and state law. You also should consider that some employees may face greater barriers to receiving a COVID-19 vaccination. Some communities have had a really a, a large problem in getting access to the COVID-19 vaccination. So when you're forming your mandatory vaccination program, make sure you take that into account and help provide those employees with solutions on how they might be able to get vaccinated. The EEOC also talks about um, incentives. So the, the answer to can I get an in, can I give my employees an incentive is again yes but the incentive should be minimal. Now there's no amount that the EEOC said is minimal. You know I would say anything under hundred dollars would probably qualify. You want to make sure it's tailored and business specific. You know a gift card to a local um, business or a gift card even to your business would make sense. Um, it must not be so substantial that it is quote coercive. Um, really what that means again is that it's minimal, that it's under, you know, $100, for example, that it's not $1,000 or more. You also want to make sure you're not uh, penalizing people who cannot get the vaccine based on disability or religion. So this is really when incentives become problematic. Um, as I've discussed, some people can't get the vaccination based on medical reasons or religious reasons. For those people, they're not going to be eligible for the incentive that you're providing to the employees who can get vaccinated. So you want to take that into consideration as well. Um, do you have employees that can't even participate in the incentive? That comes into play too when you're considering um, your mandatory vaccine program. How should I document the vaccine status? So in Washington, as you probably know, if you want your employees to go maskless and you want them to have that ability, you do need to require them to provide proof of vaccination. And really the, the Washington guidance on this has been pretty, um, pretty liberal in terms of the documentation that, that is acceptable. Um, you, can, you, you can have your employees provide you with one or more of, of these formats, the actual vaccination card itself from the CDC, a copy or a photo on a phone would actually be okay, um, documentation from a healthcare provider, so something in writing and signed by a medical provider saying this person has been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, a signed attestation is even okay, so you could actually have your employees sign something saying, I have been fully vaccinated, here's the dates of 
here's the, here are the dates of my vaccination, so, you know, with their signature, you can actually have them sign that. And that would count towards the documentation requirement in Washington. Or um, if there is a state immunization, immunization information system, um, you can provide, uh, have your employees provide you with that information. And again, I'm going to harp on this again, but you should really maintain the confidential, um, the confidentiality of any documentation of employees' vaccination status. Washington also requires that you, um, not only that you check for proof of vaccination um, for your employees, but that you also keep documentation of your own regarding that um, vaccination status. You can either create a log with the date of the verification of status. You can check vaccination status each day if you want, um, as your employees enter the building, or you can use other methods. It's fairly open. The guidance is fairly open as long as you're documenting um, that vaccination status. And why that's important, not just um, because it's, it's the rules, um, but it's also important because if you're ever audited by um, the Department of Labor and Industries, L&I, you really want to have that proof of vaccination status on file. And again, this would be something that would be completely separate from employees' personnel files. I would recommend that you keep it in your own file, um, password protected. Um, there could be wage and hour issues, as I mentioned. If the vaccination is mandatory, if you're requiring employees to get it, the time to get the vaccine would be considered compensable. Basically, you have to pay them for that time. For non-exempt employees, that would mean that you'd have to pay them at their standard hourly rate. For exempt employees, you probably wouldn't have to pay them um, any extra, but you wouldn't be able to uh, dock them pay for the time it takes to get a vaccine if you're requiring that vaccine. There was actually been another update that I just wanted to touch on briefly, and that is the OSHA, um, the federal OSHA guidance has been updated. And basically what the federal OSHA guidance has said is um, if your employees are fully vaccinated, you really don't need to take the same safety precautions with them as you do with employees who aren't vaccinated. And so you don't need to require them to wear face coverings. You don't need to require them to physically distance. Um, so if you want more information about that, I definitely recommend you check that out or you reach out to me. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting development. And some of the states like California have, also, have already followed suit with that. I think Washington will as well and probably some other states as well. So another thing I wanted to touch on briefly was actually clients or patrons of your business. What can we require? What can we, what kind of safety measures can we require of our clients, of our customers or patrons? You can choose to require all of your customers or clients to wear face coverings. Um, that's still possible. That's still okay as a Washington employer. However, you do need to make sure that you're making accommodations for those that have medical concerns and cannot wear a mask. A second option is that you can assume all clients entering the workplace are fully vaccinated without asking. So if someone enters your business, a customer enters your business, they are not wearing a mask, you can assume that that person is fully vaccinated without having to ask them in Washington. That's perfectly okay. Or you can ask them if they are fully vaccinated. So if someone comes onto your premises who is a patron, client, or customer, they're not wearing a mask, you can say, are you vaccinated? Are you fully vaccinated? Again, that would require accommodations based on medical issues if they are unable um, to get vaccinated or wear a face mask. So here are some practical considerations, kind of on the ground considerations. They're still evolving attitudes towards the vaccine. Um, this is a really interesting study that the Kaiser Family Foundation did 
um, and it's current as of May 2021. And it kind of shows you um, the change over time in who's already gotten the vaccine. That's the um, dark blue. Who's going to get it as soon as possible? Who's going to kind of wait and see? Who's going to get it only if it's required and who will definitely not get it? What you notice about this that I think is really interesting is that the only if required category, that's the light green category, really hasn't changed that much. Um, it was 9% and it stayed pretty solid at 6 to 7% since then. Same with the uh, definitely not category. That stayed pretty much the same within a couple of percentage points. So what that says to me is that that only if required group, that's really the group that you would be targeting with a mandatory vaccine program. That's the group that perhaps would get a vaccine if it was required by their employer. You know, we've, we've seen different studies now that say that folks that are saying they're definitely not going to get vaccinated are not likely to change their mind. Um, so really you're targeting that seven, six to 7% of your employees, your workforce that would only get the vaccine if required. One other thing I wanted to touch on, and it, it's implied in what I've discussed today, but I wanna just make it really clear. If you have a mandatory vaccine program and an employee refuses to get vaccinated based on a personal belief, not based on a medical concern and not based on a religious concern, but a personal belief, maybe a political belief, um, that actually would not, um, that would not actually make them exempt from your mandatory vaccine program. They would still have to get vaccinated. You could also discipline them for not getting vaccinated. That's definitely possible. Only exemptions that are legally protected as far as a mandatory vaccine program are a religious exemption and a medical um, condition exemption. So just to make that really clear. As we all know, the decision to get a vaccine has become really a politically polarizing issue. Um, depending on where you're located, you can expect your workforce also to be somewhat polarized on this issue. Um, but again, political uh, beliefs are not a basis for refusing to get vaccinated. There's a lot of misinformation about um, the effectiveness of vaccines, the safety of vaccines. Make sure that if you are instituting a mandatory vaccine program that you really educate your workforce, you really help them understand that you have looked at this, that you've decided it's safe, that you've decided it's crucial for your workforce and provide them with that information, provide them with information from the CDC. There's a lot of materials that you can provide to them that will explain to them why you've made this decision to require vaccines. We touched on concerns over vaccine safety. Um, demographics such as race, age, and family planning could really affect the willingness to get a vaccine. Um, we know that certain races have had difficulty getting the vaccine, getting access to the vaccine. That could play into it as well. So really, you want to offer your employees solutions and help, even if you're not mandating vaccines, if you, even if you're just encouraging your employees to get vaccines, but you're not requiring it. Providing them with the resources they need to get a vaccine for free is crucial in helping them get that vaccine. So I would definitely recommend that. Different considerations for different workers. That's really touching on the issue of remote versus frontline employee. If your workforce is remote, you know, you're going to have a harder time convincing employees that they need to get vaccinated because they're really not coming in contact with the public and they're not coming into contact with other coworkers. In that case, really consider that when you're structuring your program and even when you're, even when you're encouraging people to get vaccinated, really consider that. So this is interesting. They've done some studies on monetary incentives and the studies that we've seen basically say that nominal payments, so small payments of like 15, 20, $30, rarely cause a person 
to consent to any sort of clinical research, like getting a vaccine um, that the person believes is risky. So I think this can really be applied to vaccines. If you're just providing a small incentive, the person and the person already believes that the vaccine is very unsafe, that's not going to change their mind. However, if you provide them with a really high incentive amount, that could cause them to think that there's a higher level of risk in getting the vaccine. And again, that could prevent them from getting the vaccine. There really is not data currently on what the appropriate amount is from a psychological perspective to incentivize your employees to get vaccines. We do know from the EEOC from a legal perspective that it can't be coercive. It can't be so substantial that it's coercive. But other than that, there's very little guidance. Um, if you are going to provide an incentive to employees, whether you're doing a mandatory vaccine program or just an encouraging employees vaccine program, voluntary vaccine program, really, I really encourage you to get legal guidance from your legal, um, uh, from your attorney or other expert on considering that incentive program and structuring that incentive program. It is an area fraught with, with a lot of issues. There's a bunch of non-monetary incentives that do not cause as many issues that you can offer. Um, and that is education, education, educating your employees regarding the safety and the efficacy of vaccines, encouraging them, providing them with paid time off to get the vaccine. Um, we've seen that that can be really effective in encouraging employees to get the vaccine. If you provide them with two to four hours of paid time off to actually go and get that vaccine, um, that will really encourage them to get it easy access to the vaccination. So bringing the vaccine, vaccination to them, contracting with a party who can actually provide the vaccine at your workplace. Um, that is an option as well. And that would really provide easy access to your employees. Time off for any related illness. So as, as you probably know, there are a lot of um, folks that have reported um, symptoms after getting the second shot, especially of the um, Moderna and Pfizer and the um, the Johnson and Johnson shot for those symptoms that people experience post-vaccine provide time off for that illness in addition to perhaps the, the time off you're required to provide under the law. And then group goals. So incentivize different groups of employees to get vaccines by making it, you know, almost a competition um, to see who can get vaccinated quicker. Um, that, these are all non-monetary incentives that prevent, present a lot less risk um, from a legal perspective in incentivizing employees to get vaccinated. So here are all the options, bringing all of these various um, legal issues, practical issues together. You really want to think about your employee perceptions of safety. The employees who, who have gotten vaccinated you know, may feel safer than those who haven't. And if there are employees that haven't gotten vaccinated, in the workplace, we've heard a lot of employers say that those employees have expressed to them fear of coming back with a bunch, you know, with a bunch of other colleagues who are not vaccinated. That's an important consideration when you're thinking about a mandatory vaccine program. Also, how are you going to maintain confidentiality of the vaccine records? If they're paper records, how are you going to, you know, keep those safe? How are you going to keep those from getting dispersed? How are you going to keep those uh, locked up, for example? Or how are you going to keep them, if they're an electronic file, how are you going to keep them password protected or encrypted? And how will you monitor who needs to wear a mask and who doesn't? If you're allowing your employees who are fully vaccinated to not wear a mask and you have a large workforce, it might be difficult to find out, to monitor which of them need a mask, which of them don't, who's fully vaccinated, who's not, who's ha who has an exemption, who doesn't. So keep those um, things in mind too. And crucial to every um, mandatory vaccine program or even a, a voluntary vaccine program is employee communications. Communicating to your employees that no matter who is vaccinated, they can always wear a mask if they want to can really go a long way towards fostering employee trust and feelings of employee safety. 
don't assume why someone is wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. That should be communicated to employees as well so that they don't treat those who are wearing masks differently than others who aren't. Because those folks that are wearing masks may actually have a medical condition that's preventing them from getting vaccinated. You don't want them to be targeted because of that. So these are all considerations when you're thinking about communicating to your employees. So there's pros and cons, of course, to both. Currently, there's probably more cons to a mandatory vaccination program. So some of the, some of the issues with a mandatory vaccination program are the, is that there's just more legal risk. There just is. Um, however, you also lead, it also leads to more employees being vaccinated and a safer workplace for everyone. There are a lot of administrative requirements and, and pitfalls that can be very challenging to a mandatory vaccination program. For a voluntary vaccination program, the main con, the main downside is that there's less employees vaccinated and there's a less safe workplace. However, with a voluntary program, there's typically greater employee acceptance. Um, there's typically greater employee willingness to participate. There are much easier incentive requirements, administrative requirements, and there is definitely, definitely far less legal risk. Um, the legal risk that would still arise under a voluntary program could pertain to the um, the confidentiality of medical information issue. It could pertain to um, any sort of accommodations issue. There could be, there still could be legal risk with a voluntary program, but it's far, far less. You could also take a hybrid approach, and that is where you kind of wait and see. This could be kind of an evolving approach. So you could take that when if you take that approach, what you basically could do is educate your employees on the safety and efficacy of vaccines, allow people to self-report or ask that they self-report um, whether they've gotten a vaccine or not, and then allow paid time off so that they can get a vaccine. A lot of employers that we counsel have been taking this approach, have been taking, have been um, instituting a voluntary program um, and have not provided monetary incentives, have asked people to self-report and then have allowed use of two to four hours of paid time off to get vaccines. That has been pretty effective in getting people to, um, to be vaccinated. However, as more and more people get vaccinated, there's less and less people that are still willing to be vaccinated who haven't gotten vaccinated yet. So that's the group that you would really be targeting with a mandatory program. And again, that can raise a lot of um, employee relations issues, but also a lot of legal issues as well. So just consider that. The lawyers of Lane Powell serve as trusted counsel, advocates, and advisors to clients who rely on us to resolve complex business, litigation, and regulatory challenges. We invite you to subscribe to periodic legal updates relevant to your business, written and published by lawyers from Lane Powell. To sign up, visit lanepowell.com forward slash subscribe and choose any topics that are relevant to your industry or business. Thank you for joining our discussion today. 